All right, take your Bible this morning, look in Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. I want to preach to you this morning about how to make something. Genesis chapter 1, how to make something. I hope you made something this week and not a mess. <laughs> Genesis chapter 1, and let's, uh, let's look here in verse 1. The Bible said, in the beginning... God created the heaven and the earth. You know what he did? He made something. Ain't that right? Verse 2, And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light, and God saw the light that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and the evening and the morning were the first Day. All right, Lord, we thank you for your goodness to us this morning. I pray you help me, God, to preach, Lord, what you've put on my heart. God, I pray you help these, God, to be able to hear. God, I pray that you'd help them to hear. And, Lord, I pray, God, that you just deal with us this morning. We thank you, God, for sending your son to die for us. God, thank you, Lord, for saving our souls. And, God, Lord, pray that you'd help us, Lord, to, Lord, take heed, God, how we ought to hear this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, this morning, I'm not going to try and tell you how to make something in particular. I'm not going to tell you how to make, you know, uh, put your grill together or anything like that. It's kind of funny to me that the first thing that a man typically does when, he, when his wife buys him something for Christmas or for, you know, Father's Day or for his birthday, the first thing that a man does is he goes and finds the instruction manual and then lays it off to the side. You say, that's because he doesn't need it. No, that's because we don't want the woman to find it and stand over our shoulder and constantly tell us, you're doing that wrong. You're doing that wrong. <laughs> Just let us put it together wrong, and then once we put it together wrong, then you can leave us alone again. <laughs> <laughs> I've just killed the whole service right there. But that'd be all right. I'm just, but I'm not going to try and tell you how to make something in particular this morning. I'm not going to try and tell you how to put anything together, you know, how to make a big mess like that. But what I am going to try and tell you this morning is that if you're going to make something, I'm going to tell you what's going to apply to that entire creative process. In other words, if you're going to make something, I'm going to tell you the things that's going to be involved. Uh, I think you understand that uh, when the Lord made man, God made man in his own image. That does not mean, let me tell you what that doesn't mean. That doesn't mean that you're a little God. It doesn't mean that you'll ever be a little God. But what it does mean is that when God made man, there was something, God, God constructed man in such a way that there's a lot of things that, that correlate between uh, God and his creation. For example... The Bible says, I believe it's in Exodus chapter 20, he said, For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God. Did you know that God's jealous? It's not a sin to be jealous. It's a sin to be envious. It's not a sin to be jealous. When I have something that belongs to me that's mine, and I'm kind of particular about it being mine. I, I don't see sharing anywhere in the Bible. If you're liberal, you'll have a hard time with that this morning. But you just have to have a hard time with it. There's sharing. It's not anywhere in the Bible. There's giving. There's receiving. There's borrowing. There really is borrowing. I don't like to do that neither. I, the Bible says the borrower is servant to the lender. I don't care a whole lot for borrowing. I've done it before, but I really don't like it. But there's borrowing. and There's lending, but there's no sharing. 
Amen. Come on. Y'all can lighten up and say amen about that. That's true. You read your Bible this week. You know there ain't no sharing in the Bible. It'd be okay. You ain't a Democrat, are you? You might be. Jesus loves you too, but there just ain't no sharing in the Bible. All right. So we're good with that, I think. If not, you'll just have to sit there crossed for the rest of the sermon. Amen. That is the way that it is. But what I'm going to try and tell you this morning, I don't know how I got on sharing, but what I'm going to tell you this morning is, is if you're going to create something, what's going to be involved in that entire creative process? And then let me say this before we even get started real good this morning. Let me say you should make something. You should develop a habit of creating things. Uh, I believe one of the, the distinguishing marks of a Christian is particularly that he, that he or she finds they leave something be, in better shape than they found it. That's, that's what Christians are supposed to do. Uh, when you marry a woman, fellas, you should leave her in better shape than when you find her. That's right. When you start having children, you should leave them in better shape than when you had them. That's right. That's what, that's what Christians are supposed to do. Uh, when you find a church and you join a church and you become a member of that church, you know what you should do? You should leave it in better shape than when you found it. Amen. When you go down and find you a job, you should leave it in better shape than when you found it. That's what Christians do. And then let me just back up and say this in a much more broad sense. That's what people are supposed to do. You flip over in Genesis, we're in Genesis 1, but you flip over here and look in verse uh, chapter 2 and look in verse 8. The Bible said, And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that's pleasant to the sight, good for food, tree of life also in the midst of the garden, tree of knowledge of good, and the tree of knowledge of, and, of good and evil. And a river went out from Eden to water the garden, and from thence it parted and became into four heads. And then go on down to verse 15, And the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to suck it bone dry. I'm, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure Adam and Eve living in that garden, they ate of the fruit and they, they partook of things that were there in the garden, but that's not why God put them there. God put them there to dress it and to keep it. And one of the reasons why the, the millennials... The, this, this new generation, my generation, and even many of my daddy's generation, the reason that those, those, that generation, these generations are so miserable is because they don't accomplish anything. They're not given to a sense of accomplishment. They're not given to making things better. They're not giving to dressing and keeping. Have you ever noticed, let me just speak to you in carnal terms this morning. Have you ever noticed how much better you feel when the grass in your yard is a foot high and then you go out and cut it? I walked out, I walked out of, or I didn't walk out, but I drove out of my driveway a couple of mornings ago and I've got a neighbor who basically lives on his lawnmower. And I mean, if that's your thing, you help yourself. But he lives on his lawnmower. I mean, every time the grass, I mean, just about every week during the summer, he's cutting his grass. And I walked out, or I drove out of my driveway, and he was down at the end of my driveway. He cuts the grass for the guy across the street along their little uh, fence post. And I, walk, I was driving out, and he was standing kind of in the front of my driveway just looking in that direction. And so I rolled my window down. And I said, what you doing? He said, I'm out here admiring my work. <laughs> hey, you, you're allowed to do that. I said, I, you know what I told you? I didn't, I didn't roll my eyes at that. I said, it's good to do that. You know why a lot of folks is depressed is because they ain't got nothing to admire that they've ever done. 
Amen. We'll get out and do something. Get out and make something. And then you can look at it and say, hey, I did that. Amen. That's good for you. Uh, I, I tell you, man, I'm really, uh, I'm not, I, I want to be careful about bragging about the church, but I do want to brag about this church. I really, really am impressed. I'm really thankful, I guess I should say, about the people as a general rule that we have in this church. Uh, man, this is a hardworking church. As, as a general rule, folks in this church are really given to labor. They're really given to doing something and making things. They're just trying to be busy. And these folks are in this church, they're, they're really given to a sense of accomplishment. And I say this, I say that about the men, but I say that about the ladies. Uh, man, there's ladies in here that I'm afraid to work next to because I'm afraid they'd outwork me. I, I'm not just saying that. I, I really mean that. I, I have known some hardworking ladies in my life, and my mother's one of them. My mother was the kind of individual that when Daddy asked her, hey, what kind of lawnmower should we buy for a three-acre lot out on Mid-River Road? She said, a push mower. You said she was going to push mow that yard? No, we were going to push mow that yard. That was just the way she was wired up. And she... She thought it was normal. That's the way she grew up. My mother grew up on a farm, I think down here in Callahan somewhere. She grew up carrying 40-pound sacks of feed, one on each arm. That's just the way that she was. Amen. So, I, you know, there's, I don't know if there's any ladies in here that could do that. Maybe you could. I'm a little bit afraid of you if you can. <laughs> uh, beat me up. But I will say this. There's some ladies in here that's given to labor, and that's a good thing. It's a good thing. It's a good thing rather than sitting around and eating Twinkies and lace tater chips and watching soap operas. I'm just so discouraged. I'm so depressed. Well, God made you to work. God made you to labor. And listen, not just to expend labor, not just to expend energy. God made you to be creative. God made you to be creative. Exercise some ingenuity. And so if you're going to make something, listen, you, well, let me just say this. You should make something. Don't, don't waste your life. Don't get down to the end of your life and, ha and look back while you're laying on your deathbed. God forbid that even take place. I hope you go out with a bang. And I don't mean, you know, in a car wreck or anything like that. I mean, I, I, hope, you, I hope you go out being able to get around and do everything that you want to do until the day that you die. I've known some men that have, have just worked up until the day that they died, died in their sleep. That's the way I'd like to die. I mean, I don't have a whole lot of choice over that, but I will say, don't get down to your deathbed, so to speak, and look back and have nothing that you've made. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, man's made in God's image, and God's a creator. He's a maker. And so there has to be some kind of fulfillment in making things. There, there is. The mark of a rich life, I've already said it, but the mark of a rich life is leaving things better than you found it. Let me just ask you, I've already said it, but let me just ask you. Can I ask you something this morning? Is this church better for you being here? Is your family better for you being a part of it? I mean, if you, if you complain about all the things that's wrong in your family, if I complain about all the things that's wrong with my family, who's contributing to those problems? I mean, are, are you trying to steer it in the right direction and trying to help make it better? Are you trying to make a good home? Are you trying to make a good marriage? Are you trying to make good children? I'm talking about making things this morning. I, I'm not just talking about making things tangible with your hands, but there's some things in your life that are going to have to be made. And I'm going to try and tell you this morning some principles that will help you figure out, how do I make those things? 
Yes, sir. It applies to spiritual things. It applies to your own spirituality. You know, I'm looking at folks this morning. There's some of you folks sitting in here. And I dare say every single one of us sitting in here to some measure, some area in our life, we need to make ourselves more spiritual people. You say, you say, well, God has to make us. I understand that. The Lord said, follow me to his disciples and I will make you fishers of men. I understand the Lord has a large part in that, but I also understand that people have a large part in that. You have a part in making yourself a spiritual individual. Amen. Absolutely. God's not going to twist your arm behind your back. God's not going to make you be spiritual if, if you don't want to be. There's a lot of things that have to be made. Did you know that some folks need to make an education in their own minds? Some folks grow up without much of an education. Did you know that you can educate yourself? Open a book, read a book, learn some things? Absolutely. 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 You got to make some things. Well, first of all, let me get on with the sermon and just tell you this morning, first of all, how to make some things. Have some purpose. Get a purpose. Get something in your mind that you want to get accomplished. The Bible says without a vision... Without a vision, the people perish. You know why folks don't get much accomplished in their life? You know why I don't get much accomplished in my life? I don't have a vision. When I start getting things accomplished in my life, it's because I've sat down beforehand and thought and said, I'd like for things to be this way. I'd like for things to turn out like this. Listen, let me tell you something. You sit around and you complain about the way that your country is right now, and there is plenty to complain about. There's plenty. But I tell you what, complaining about your country ain't going to get nothing accomplished. Get a vision. What's a, what's a country supposed to look like? Well, I tell you, a, a, a right country is, is a country that's filled with people that fear God. A good country is filled with people that love God's book. Well, you're sitting around and complaining about people not loving God's book and not fearing God. Well, what are you doing to try and help them figure out, hey, you need to fear God and you need to love his book? Amen. What you doing? Get a vision. Amen. Get a vision. That's right. Get a vision. Uh, the Bible says uh, in Revelation chapter 4, the angels are standing around the throne of God and it says, For thy pleasure, talking about all creation, for thy pleasure they are and were created. You know why God made what he made in Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2? You know why he made what he made? For his pleasure. He had a purpose. Ephesians chapter 1, let me turn over there right quick and just read you a couple of uh, scriptures. Ephesians chapter 1, give me just a second to get there. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 9, the Bible says, Having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed, in himself. You know, one of the greatest works that God ever worked outside of creation was the redemption of man. You know why he did that? Because it pleased him. Amen. Verse 10, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him, and whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose See, the Lord's got purpose according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. God has something in mind. When God made everything that you're looking at this morning, God had something in mind when he made those things. When God saved you, he had something in mind when he made those things. So if you want to make something, get some purpose. 
Have, some, have, have a reason on why you do things. We're talking this morning in Sunday school about uh, trying to get kids developed and trying to uh, take uh, young men and young ladies and get them developed into the place to where they can deal with God. A lot of that has to deal with the reason of things. Why do we do what we do? Why is this the right expectation? It has to do with the reason, the reason of things. God is a reasonable God. He's not a God that's devoid of reason. You hear some of these preachers preach about, and, and listen, it is what it is. Let me just get on with it. You hear some preachers preach like if, if a man sits down and tries to reason things out, that he's a reprobate, that he's far from God. But I'm telling you, when God does things, God does things that are reasonable. Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they'll be white as snow. Though they'll be red like crimson, they'll be white like wool. God's reasonable. God's reasonable about redemption. God's reasonable about creation. And the reason that, uh, the reason, a lot of the reason that a lot of folks have no purpose is because they don't ever s sit down and think about what they're getting ready to do or, hey, what needs to be done. Did you know that a lot of the problems that you have in your life this morning, listen, I, I don't know any problems that anybody has in here this morning, but I know me, I know people, and I know a lot of the problems that I have in my life could be solved if I would just not respond emotionally, but would sit down and think about things. How many times have you responded emotionally and shot off at the mouth and made a mess as opposed to if you just slow down and think about what was going on, you'd probably see about five different avenues that you could have did to handle that thing. Boy, I, I can tell you several times in my life, many times, I couldn't number them on my hands and, and on, on my hands and feet. And many times I've said things and thought, man, that was really stupid. I should not have said that. You say, why? Because after I said it, I sat down and thought and said, you know what? I didn't know this. If I'd have just waited five seconds, they'd have said this and I'd have realized just sit down and think about things. Sit down and think about it. Uh, I've told you time and time again because to me it's such a great passage, Luke 24. Those disciples are walking on the road to Emmaus, two disciples, and the Lord draws near to them. You know what they were doing while they were walking along? They were communing with, with each other, but the Bible uses this word. They were reasoning among themselves, and lo and behold, Jesus himself drew near. Folks sat down and they started to think. Folks were walking along the road in fellowship. And boy, they're really depressed. Jesus, our Savior, he's dead. We thought he was going to deliver Israel from uh, political power of Rome. We thought the Lord was going to turn all of it around. And lo and behold, here he is. He's dead. And they sat there and they talked about it. And they communed with each other. And they were reasoning the thing out. And the Lord drew near and said, hey, what y'all thinking about? You ain't heard? Well, let us tell you. Of course, the Lord spoke very straight with them. Oh, fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken in the scriptures. And beginning at Moses, he went through all the scriptures and expounded all things concerning himself. Where did it start? They sat down and thought. They were starting to think about things. And listen, you can sit down and think about things, and if the Lord won't draw near, boy, you're going to be in trouble. But if you sit down and think, what that might do is open up the Lord. It might open up the door for God to sit down next to you and say, hey, What's going on? Well, Lord, I sure am glad you asked. Let me tell you. That's called prayer, by the way. Yeah. Yes, sir. Uh, you know some of the best thinking you're ever going to do is going to be done while you're praying. 
Yes, sir. I find that to be true in my, my personal life time and time again. Sit down and try to think about things and sit down and try to figure things out and just feel like I come up dry. Come in here and get down on my knees and start praying and then work myself up and start walking around in here praying about things, praying about people, praying for you, praying for my family, praying for other preachers. And lo and behold, in the process of that, I feel like sometimes I'm talking to myself. But, you know, there's times where it seems like God said, it's coming out of my mouth. I'm praying about stuff, but as it's coming out of my mouth, it's like, man, the Lord's just giving me things. Hey, what about this? What? That's coming out of my mouth. You say, what is it? I believe that's the Lord helping. I believe that's the Lord providing direction. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Sit down and think about some things. Get some purpose. You know, you've got a purpose in life. You need to figure out what that is. Amen. Listen, as a Christian, you've got a purpose in life. And you need to figure out what that is. It's right here. Listen, that's why it's important for you to be familiar with God's book. You need to know what God's purpose for you is. Not your purpose. God's purpose. What's God want you to do? Well, you're going to find it right in here. You're going to find it right in here. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's where you're going to find God's purpose. Let me say this. First of all, have a purpose. But not, uh, second of all, let me say, get started. Get started. You want to make something? <laughs> Get started. <laughs> you know what it says in verse 1? It says, in the beginning, God created. You know where you start? At the beginning. Uh, you know what, what, what a, a lot of the struggle is in my own personal life? Brother, Brother Chris, I really do not like to be a novice. I don't like to be a novice about anything. I like to be either intermediate or advanced. Uh, it's like starting at the bottom of the stairs. Well, I don't want to take the first step. I want to take the first three all in one stride. Because I just don't like to be there at the beginning stages. But that's where you got to start. That's where you got to start. Uh, how do I become a good Christian? You got to get started. How do I become a good disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ? You just got to get started. Uh, day one, when the disciples started following the Lord Jesus Christ, they didn't know everything that they knew by the time the Lord ascended up into heaven in Acts chapter 1. There was a lot of rebuke that came to a man by the name of Simon Peter from the Lord's mouth. But at least he got started. There's a lot of people that the Lord said, hey, follow me. And they said, hey, I got to go bury such and such. He said, let the dead bury their dead. You know what they did? They never got started. Hey, follow me. Yeah, but I got to go this. Okay. They never got started. Just get started. Amen. Amen. That's right. Just get started. You say, well, I have started. Well, keep going. Amen. When God got it in his mind to make everything that he made, he just got started. Uh, the Bible's a historical record of what God did. He started it and he failed. I, I say, I, not that he failed. Man foiled it. The devil got involved and foiled it. And then Revelation, by the time Revelation chapter 22 winds up, the, the Lord has got it all worked out exactly how he wanted it. But you know where it all, it all it, none of it could take place if Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 wasn't here. That's right. That's right. First Timothy chapter 3. You know what verse 6 says? It says that a bishop can't be a novice. That's a beginner. That's somebody on the low, on the low end of the totem pole. But you know what you have to do in order to not be a novice? You have to get beyond being a novice. That's where, that's where every person will start. You start with being a novice. 
Well, that keeps a lot of people from even getting started in their life, I believe, with all of my heart. But I tell you, if you want to make something, you've got to get started. Let me say this, number three, turn the lights on. You ever started, you ever tried to work in, in a dark place? You fellas ever tried to cut grass in the dark? I remember Brother Schuyler had some of them, uh, those light bars mounted on his uh, lawnmower. Boy, that's the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. But hey, if you want to cut grass at a cool time of the day, do it <laughs> yourself. But you know what? You can't, you can't work like you need to work without adequate light. You know, the Lord, before he got started doing anything, you know what he did? He turned the lights on. The first thing that the Lord made was not man, it was not animals, it was not grass, it was not the earth, it was not water. It was light. He said, God said, verse 3, God said, let there be light, and there was light. You've got to turn the lights on. God's not going to work in the dark, and you shouldn't either. What is it that you need to make this morning? You need to make a home? You need to make a good, solid Christian life? You need to make... Uh, a good solid church, you know what? None of those things can be made without adequate light. None of them. None of them. Uh, light's needed. The Bible says in the book of Psalms, the entrance of thy word giveth light. Psalm 119, it says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The Bible says in the book of Psalms, again, it says, light is sown for the righteous. It's light. Here it is. Say, well, man, I just really want to make such and such. You know what you're going to need before you make it? You're going to need to turn the lights on. Uh, the book of Ephesians, I believe it's Ephesians chapter 5, it says, whatsoever doth make manifest is light. You know what you need in order to create some things, in order to make some things? You need to have some things made manifest in your life, whether it be about you or about situations that's going on in your life, you need God to bring those things out in the open. And those things are never going to be brought out into the open without God's book. God's book is where the light's going to come from. Listen, I don't care how good your sight is. I don't care if you have 20-20 vision. Try to work in the dark. Oh, man, I'm a very wise guy. Yeah, but if you don't have the light, what difference does it make? Oh, I'm very smart and I'm very intelligent and I'm very perceptive. Yeah, but if you don't have the light, what difference does it make? Let's go in here and board up all the windows and we'll put curtains on top of them, turn all the lights off and put a little thing there at the back door and we'll turn all the lights off and we'll see how you get out of here. You want to try that? Some of you probably break your neck on the way out. What you need is you need some light. Let me ask you something. You know what, what direction you're heading in life? You know what you're going to do next? You know where you need to go next? So I'm I just really not too sure. You know what you need? You need the lights to be turned on. You say, where are they going to get turned on? Right there. Right there. God's book. It's God's book. The Bible said in 1 Peter, I believe it is, chapter 3, it might be chapter 2. He said, whereunto you do well that, that you take heed as a light that shineth in a dark place. There it is. That's God's eternal flashlight sitting right in your lap this morning. I don't know if you believe that or not. Do you, do you believe that that's God's light sitting right there in your lap? You say, oh yeah, Brother Nathan, I believe that. Okay, how much time have you spent with it this week? Right. Yes, sir. I mean, if your life, if your Christian life really depends on that book 
how much time have you spent with you? You say, Brother Nathan, I've been real busy, which I understand. Life happens. Things do get busy. But I mean, are you so busy that you can't take into consideration how important it is for you to be able to see what's sitting right in front of you? One of the things that really makes me nervous about where I live, we live out there on the back, on the front side of the Okie Finoki. You can just about look in my backyard and get all these pine trees, but you walk back there a little ways, and water stands about that deep. All this water that we just got yesterday and the day before, boy, I got a pond in my front yard. It's pretty rough. And you know what likes to hang out in that standing water? Water moccasins. And how come it has to be the ones that are the most aggressive? And so, you know, they don't just like to hang out during the day. They like to come out at night. Boy, I don't like that. I don't appreciate that. I have walked out in that backyard before we got my dog, and, you know, she's got a little pen in the backyard, and we go out and unlock it at night, and we go back there. And when we go back there, I've stepped on about two snakes. Now, thank the Lord, none of them was water moccasins. One was a corn snake about that big. But I still jumped out of my skin. I, I may have squealed a little bit. I'm not sure. <laughs> Nobody was around to hear it, so I don't know if it counts. I walked out one night. I walked out one night underneath. We got a little pavilion out there, a little carport that was there. And I walked out there, and I got that, we got that little, I don't know if she drove the Corolla, but we got that little gold Corolla, and it was parked underneath there. And there was a corn snake about that long on the windshield. And I was that far away from the windshield. I was doing something on the car. And I looked up. It's dark. I looked up, and that corn snake's on the, on the windshield. I think Ezra was out there with me. And I, I didn't squeal, but I said something real manly like, Oh! <laughs> You say, what was the matter? It was there the whole time, but I couldn't see it. Yes, sir. And you know what I do now? I send the kids out to go get the dog. <laughs> when they walk out the back door, they say, Daddy, can you stand on the back porch? I say, how do you need to go out there and stand with them? <laughs> Give them a flashlight. You know what I did? You know what I, on a serious note, you know what I did? I went out and bought these big LED light bars. I think they was $30 a piece. If they'd have been $1,000 a piece, if I'd have had the money, I'd have spent them. But there's about, I don't know, $30 a piece, and I put three of them underneath my pavilion. And listen, when you turn that on, you can see it from about three miles away if there was no pine trees. Yeah. Things bright. I mean, you turn that thing on, and it's clear. You can see everything at night, pitch black, dark, no, no moon, no stars. You turn that light on, and you can see it from the road. You can see everything sitting under my pavilion. You know what you can see? You can see a snake in the grass. You say, why? I turn the lights on. You know, listen, you've got things that's sitting right underneath your feet that if you're not careful, it's going to reach up, and it's going to grab you, and it's going to bite you. It's going to get you. I guarantee you some of you probably got things sitting in your own house right now that's a, that's a danger to you spiritually. And you know what the problem is? You don't see it. You just can't see it. You know why? Lights are off. You got things in your personal life that you're letting go and you're just getting cold and a little bit apathetic about. And it's just not a big concern to you. Why? You just don't see it. You know what you need? You need the lights to be turned on. God didn't work in the dark. Why would you? Get the lights turned on. It's right there. It's right there. Get, get the lights turned on. Let me say number four. Put a division between things. Verse three, God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light that it was good. You know, he didn't say that about the darkness. Some things is good. Some things are not. Listen, we're not, we, 
This, this modern day attitude, I would say it's an attitude of liberals, but it's not anymore. It's, it's just about all politicians. It's about all politics. Everything is good. It's just how you see it. It's just your matter of perspective. Everything is not good. Amen. Listen, listen, I'm going to tell you, I, I'm going to tell you, uh, doing heroin and taking cough medicine is not the same. It doesn't, doesn't lead to the same place. It just, it wants to get rid of a cough. One is to do something. I'm not sure what that stuff is all about. There's some things that's good. There's some things that's got utility to it. And then there's other things that don't. There's some people that are good people. And there's some people that ain't. And you can tell who those people are. You can tell who those people are that ain't good people to hang around. One way that you can tell is by what comes out of their mouth. Out of the abundance of the heart and the mouth speaketh. Romans chapter 3 says, whose, whose hearts and mouths are filled with bitterness and cursing. Listen, they talk about in the workplace, you need to get away from toxic people. You know who they label those toxic people as? Those are people that are complainers and everything is always wrong. Well, listen, we didn't need no workplace seminar to figure that out. All we needed was the Bible. Yes, there's somebody that's sitting around constantly whining about things and constantly cursing things. I'd be careful about somebody who constantly cussed every other breath. Yeah, man, that's good preaching. Uh, you can get a little stronger on the amens about that one because that's true. Hey, listen, if somebody's constantly got filth coming out of their mouth, that tells me that there's filth in their heart. Yeah. Man, I'd be careful about that stuff. Well, you know, they just stay mean well. I, I don't know about that. I don't believe that. I don't believe that. Listen, when you drive up on a church building and it don't have church on the sign, I just take it for granted it ain't no church. You say, what you doing? I'm putting a, I'm putting a division between things. If I drive up on a church and it says something Bible church, I, I don't really estimate it to be a Baptist church. I know a fellow right now up in New York City, Long Island, a lot, of, a lot of independent Baptists that I know love this guy. And it just really makes me a little bit nervous that he don't have Baptist on his church sign. It says something, Bible church. Oh, he's a good brother, Nathan. Uh, maybe he is. But why, why are you shying away from Baptist? I told you the story about running into this Southern Baptist down here while we was holding signs out one day. We, this fella came up and introduced himself. He's a pastor down in Hilliard, Southern Baptist. And he asked us, he said, what church y'all with? I told him, I told him I was the pastor. And he said, well, we just started a church down in Hilliard or Callahan, wherever it was. And I said, well, what's the name of it? And he told me something, something church, and it wasn't a Baptist church. I said, huh. He said, yeah, he said, when we started the church, he said, we knew that if we hung out a shingle and put Baptist on a church sign that we wouldn't get a lot of people. So we just kind of went the non-denominational route. So you know what they got? They got a loaded church with the light shows and the lights turned down real dim on Sunday morning. And he has a chair that he sits behind. You can go on, on, on the internet and look it up. I, of course, I don't remember the name of the church. You say, what's, what's going on? There's no division. Things that's different is not the same. You need, you've got to put a division between things. Listen, you have got to put a division between things. Preachers got to get up here and tell you sometimes what those divisions are, but you're going to have to sit down and open God's book for yourself and say, what's right, what's wrong, what's good, what's bad. Listen, you try to take something that's bad and say that it's good, boy, you, you're heading towards moral insanity. 
Yes, sir. You try to look at boys and say that they're girls and let them in the girls' bathroom. Amen. You're heading towards spiritual, you're heading towards moral insanity. Amen. Amen. That, that's right. You're going to have to put a division between things. God divided the light from the darkness. Uh, you know, a Phillips head screw is not the same as one of those star bit screws. Yes, sir. I just feel like it's judgmental to put a difference between things. Okay, that's okay. You just won't be able to make anything. You know, uh, you get out here and try to put a house together. I point this direction because my father-in-law's finished the inside of that little building. But, you know, he'd get out there and say, well, I just refuse to believe that a three-quarter inch PVC is different than a quarter inch PVC. Okay, that's okay. You could do that. But you ain't going to have no plumbing that works right. I wonder why my life isn't working well. Well, are you putting the difference between things that need to be put there? So you've got to be able to judge right. You've got to be able to judge right judgment. If you're not willing to do that, man, it's not going to turn out well for you. You won't create anything. You won't make anything. Yes, sir. That's right. That's right. might be what the world estimates to be a little narrow-minded and bigoted, but at least you'll be able to create something. Amen. Amen. Lost people is not safe people. Uh, when you got to the book of Ezra, I believe it was, there's some folks that showed up. They showed up to, uh, to the uh, children of Israel, the remnant that left uh, under the reign of Medes, the Medes and the Persians. And they, the remnant of Israel went back to Jerusalem to try and rebuild that place. And as soon as Israel got back and started rebuilding the house of God and rebuilding all the things that was there, when they got there, uh, there were some folks, strangers, people that were not Israelites, they said, hey, We'll help y'all build. We seek your God like you do. And you know what Ezra the scribe told them? Nothing doing. We don't need your help. Why? Because you're not Israelites. You're not the people of God like we are. I don't believe this. I don't believe a church has got any business looking to the world and asking them for help for anything. And listen, let me tell you, as far as a Christian goes, you ain't got no business yoking up with somebody that you don't, that is not 100% they know that they're saved. You better be careful about that stuff. You better be, it'll hurt you in the long run. You may think that it won't harm you now, but I'm telling you down the road, it's going to hurt you. It, it'll be a ball and chain on your life. Amen. Amen. You want to build a Christian life. You want to build a home. You want to build a marriage. You got to be able to put a distinguishment between things, a division between things that are not the same. And then let me say this and I'll close. You don't have to do it all in one day. You're going to make something? You don't have to do it all in one day. Amen. How many of you, when you start something, you like to get it finished right now? How many of you like that? That's, that's, a, that's a great quality to have. But you know what? Sometimes that's unrealistic. It, it's, a good, it's a good attitude to have. Get it accomplished. Get it done. But sometimes you can't. You know, when the Lord started making something, he didn't do it all in day one. He started day one, day two day three, and then went all the way through day six, and then day seven, he rested. Not because he was tired, but he, that day was separate from the rest. He didn't do it all in one day. Let me, let me try and say this to you about your Christian life. You know what gets a lot of us discouraged? What gets a lot of you discouraged? You hear what you should be as a Christian, and you think, I got to do it all right now. And it just ain't going to happen. 
It just ain't going to happen. You know, you didn't get saved yesterday, and tomorrow you're going to turn out to be Peter or Paul. Uh, how many of you, you don't have to raise your hand if you, don't, if you don't want to, but how many of you have never read a book until you started reading your Bible? A couple of hands. You know, I never read a book. Actually, no, that's not true. I never read a book until I read my Bible all the way through. The Bible was the first book, and I, I, I didn't have a problem reading. I feel like I'm a pretty good reader, but I just had no interest in reading. And you know, some of you folks right now, the thing that you're struggling with not only is developing an appetite for spiritual things. That's not the only thing you're developing that you're struggling with. The other thing that you're struggling with is you just don't want to read. You just don't like to read. And you know what? That's, that's just the way that it is. Listen, you're not going to finish your Bible in a matter of two days. <laughs> because while you're doing that, you're having to learn. You're having to learn how to not only develop an appetite for spiritual things, but just to develop a discipline of being able, of being willing to read. Have some patience with yourself. Just have some patience with yourself. Brother Nathan, I got this one particular sin. Don't tell me what that is. But I got this one particular sin that keeps whooping the pants off of me. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You say, how many times will that work? As many times as you need it. Amen. Hey, while you're trying to figure out how to get victory over that thing, while you're perusing the pages of God's book trying to figure out, how do I get my life straightened out? Avail yourself of that verse. Avail yourself of that promise. Keep going back. You know what that's going to require? Some patience. Listen, you taught your flesh to like something in your past. You've taught your flesh to like that for the last 10 or 15 years. I don't know how long it's been since you've been doing whatever it is that you struggle with, but you taught yourself to like that. Man, you're not going to learn to quit liking that in two weeks. It's going to take you some time. You know what you need? You need some patience. That's not a badge so that you can say, well, I can partake in this. No, you need to quit it. Stop it. But have some patience. Amen. Have some patience with yourself. Ye have need of patience is what the Bible says in the book of Hebrews. You're not going to get saved and then turn out to be some spiritual superstar. You're not going to turn out to be George Whitfield. Not tomorrow. But I tell you what you do. Get started today and just stick with it. I didn't read my Bible yesterday because the whole church went bowling. Okay, well, you should have read your Bible. But do it today. Today's a church day, Brother Nathan. <laughs> I know, church days, we don't read our Bible, do we? No, you should read. You should read. But you know what? You didn't do it yesterday. Get up this morning and say, Lord, I'm sorry I didn't spend the time that I should have, but I'm going to do it today. Yeah. And just stick with it. Stick with it. I'm talking about how to make something. I'm talking about how to make a life that you, that's worth living. Make a home that's worth being a part of. Let me ask you something. You like going home? Do you enjoy being at home? There's some people that don't enjoy that. You enjoy coming to church? Some folks don't. Well, if you don't, do something about it. You do something about it. Amen. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us this morning. And, Lord, we thank you for the light and the direction, God, that you provide in the Scriptures. And, God, I pray, Lord, that you just take this, Lord, this message this morning and just help your people with it. And, uh, Lord, God, do with it what you will, God. Lord, thank you for this church. Thank you, Lord, for who they are. Lord, thank you, God, for the stand that they take. And God, pray that you'd bless every person in here this morning. God, deal with hearts as you see fit, and we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Some have come this morning. If you need to do business with God, boy, I know the Lord would love for you to deal with him.
Just respond to him. Respond to him this morning. Don't delay. Respond to him this morning.